You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.pagosity.tv. Your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.pagosity.tv now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of April 1st, 2018. The podcast that springs out from cans of peanut brittle. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's adversify the news of the bogus. We start off with another update on the Kim.com mega upload saga, and this is a big one. Remember that his home was raided, which was declared illegal, the warrants against him were found to be invalid, the surveillance on him was illegal, they unlawfully deleted evidence of their illegal spying, and the seized evidence was ordered to be returned, only to find out that it hadn't been properly stored and was ruined. Now, a human rights tribunal in New Zealand has declared that the New Zealand government has violated Dotcom's rights by withholding exculpatory evidence from him and his attorneys. Dotcom had made an information privacy request to find out what information they had on him. The recipients forwarded the request to the Attorney General, who refused to comply. The tribunal found that everything about this was wrong. First, the recipients were never supposed to forward the request to the AG. They were just supposed to comply. Second, the AG had no authority to deny the request. And third, there was no proper basis for a refusal. The AG claimed the requests were vexatious, saying the .com had an ulterior motive, that being to help him in his case against being extradited to the U.S., a place that, remember, .com has never lived, worked, owned a business in, or even set foot. The tribunal rejected the claim that .com was doing this to disrupt the extradition hearing, and indeed, if anyone was disrupting it, it was the New Zealand government by, quote, unsuccessfully applying to revoke his bail when his then-solicitors and counsel were granted leave to withdraw, unsuccessfully opposing the release of restrained funds for living and legal expenses, unsuccessfully opposing an adjournment of the eligibility hearing scheduled for 2 June 2015, applying to register in New Zealand the USA forfeiture order obtained in that country on the basis of a fugitive disentitlement doctrine, a concept unknown to New Zealand law. If successful, this would have meant that Mr. Dotcom would have no funds to live on, let alone to defend the extradition proceeding. Unsuccessfully opposing and seeking to strike out Mr. Dotcom's judicial review of the decision by the Deputy Solicitor General, criminal, to authorize the Commissioner of Police to register the USA forfeiture order. And refusing, until 23 June 2015, to respond to the legitimate concerns as to funding for New Zealand Council raised by counsel for Mr. Dotcom on 29 April 2015. They also found, quote, by making the information privacy requests, he was not seeking to be disruptive or vexatious. Rather, based on previous unsuccessful attempts to gain access to information held by various agencies, which had been the subject of judicial review and appeals, he was trying to follow what he understood to be the process identified by the courts as available to him in the circumstances. He was also anxious to avoid the requests being delayed by drawn-out litigation as the goal was to obtain the information and to use it in evidence. The AG's office had also claimed the requested information was irrelevant 
But as the tribunal rightly found, there's no way .com could know it was irrelevant without seeing it first. So the government was basically saying, it's not relevant, you can trust us, even though you've never been able to trust us on anything ever before. Or as the tribunal put it, quote, to require him to first establish relevance before being given access to the information turns the Privacy Act upside down and renders illusory the legal right of access to personal information held by state agencies. The tribunal has ordered the information requests to be fulfilled and the AG's office to pay .com $90,000 in damages. .com was overjoyed, quote, after years of perseverance, the time is here. We won. We're getting to the truth. I'm no longer the defendant. He also said, quote, It is over. By unlawfully withholding information that could have helped my case, the former Attorney General of New Zealand has perverted the course of justice. Although experts are saying it's far from over, it does seem unlikely that, after all this, the New Zealand government can continue to make any sort of case against him. We'll keep watching. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. So you remember the Pulse nightclub shooting, the one where the guys shot up a gay bar just because they were gay and it had to be that and for no other reason? Notice how you haven't seen any coverage of that lately? Well, it's not because nothing's happening. In fact, it turns out that the Justice Department has lied about almost every aspect of this case, including the killer's motive. Journalists have been noticing the complete absence of any evidence showing that Omar Mateen was anti-gay or even knew that Pulse was a gay nightclub. In fact, it turns out he cased several other places as well, none of which were gay clubs. This all came out in the criminal trial of Mateen's wife, Noor Salman, claiming that she aided and abetted the attack, as well as lying to the FBI. They love throwing that one in, don't they? Everything about this trial is troubling. They refuse to move the trial out of Orlando, apparently figuring that the jury will be focused on mob vengeance, not justice. And everything they've done has apparently been to feed that, which is why you have protesters outside the courthouse with signs that say things like, fry her till she has no pulse. 
And the biggest way they're doing that is this bogus motive of Mateen being homophobic and out to kill gays, something that the media has regurgitated unquestioningly. But the evidence shows there's absolutely no truth to it whatsoever. Instead, the evidence points to the motive being exactly what Mateen said it was, revenge for U.S. troops bombing Afghanistan and other Muslim countries. That's what he said to people during the killing spree, what he said to law enforcement over the phone and what he said on Facebook prior to the killings. Nothing about gay people. He didn't even shout out any gay slurs during the shooting or even so much as acknowledge that he realized they were gay. Oh, and there's also no evidence whatsoever, not the first piece of evidence, that Mateen was a closeted gay man. In fact, the FBI found that he was cheating on his wife with numerous women. His searches and interactions on dating sites were also exclusively with women. Searches on Mateen's phone were for things like Orlando nightclubs, not gay nightclubs or anything to do with LGBT. He also considered Disney properties and shopping malls. Cell tower data confirms that he cased out Disney Springs and also did a search for Disney World while he was in the vicinity of Epcot. The good news is the jury saw through all of this, and while I was preparing my notes for this very story, they delivered their verdict of not guilty. So why did he choose Pulse? Well, what have we been saying, people? In the state of Florida, it is illegal for a citizen to bring weapons into bars and other establishments to serve alcohol to be consumed on premises. So the only weapons there would be from security personnel and on-duty police officers. And Pulse was the only one that didn't have armed security. In fact, in Solomon's trial, a statement that Pulse security guard Neil Whittleton said that he'd concluded that Mateen's discussion with him was to see if he'd had a gun on him. Whittleson also said that Mateen had also said, quote, why is it so slow tonight? Where are all the girls at? Indicating that he didn't even know it was a gay bar. All of which means that the U.S. government knowingly lied in their case against Salmon. They knew she gave him no help in casing the Pulse nightclub. But she's a convenient target, and she has an IQ in the lowest 20th percentile, so she's not likely to be too bright about how she proceeds. But it's funny how they didn't arrest her for seven months, during which time she could have left the country or gone into hiding or engaged in further attacks. She did none of these. She is not in any way behaving like a guilty person. She's also cooperated fully with the authorities. And then she paid the price. In fact, their only evidence against her was a statement they got her to sign after questioning her for 17 hours. A statement she didn't even write. Oh, and those interviews weren't recorded. But it's just like we've covered before. She started off vehemently denying any knowledge, only to submit after almost a full day of psychological torture. By the way, in addition to her low IQ, she's also at the extreme end of suggestibility tests, which explains both her turnaround and also why she'd stay with an abusive husband like Mateen for so long. Clinical psychologist Bruce Frumpkin said, quote, she is a highly suggestible individual to the types of interrogation tactics law enforcement almost always use to extract confessions from those they believe are guilty. In other words, they're not trying to get to the truth. They've got it in their minds that she's guilty, and they're going to get that confession no matter what. Quote, 
She said that after hours of questioning, with law enforcement telling her that they knew she aided her husband, and according to her, threats that her son would be taken away and would be raised in a Christian home, she said she eventually relented and signed the statements so she could be allowed to go home. Frumpkin said the average length of an interrogation is 90 minutes, and that anything over three or four hours is considered excessive. But they did this knowing she's not guilty. She could not possibly have helped Mateen case out Pulse, since phone records show he didn't even go there once except to shoot the place up. And her phone records show she's never been there. And how could she possibly have known he was going to attack Pulse if he didn't even know it until he got there? They also claimed that he and Salman were looking at the Pulse website and he said to her, this is my target. But none of the IP addresses belonging to their internet connection were ever used to visit the Pulse website. There was also no evidence they had even searched for Pulse on their devices. At one point, the judge even scolded the prosecutors when the jury was out of the room. There's a special Twitter feed, News 6 Pulse Trial, that covered this. Here are some of the tweets. When Salman was arrested in January, prosecutors used Salman's alleged confession of casing Pulse as a reason that Judge Byron should revoke Salman's bond, which he did. Fritz cited several studies that show people accused of a crime and denied bail are more likely to be convicted. To that, Judge Bryan said, a denial of bail is not proof of guilt. I know you know that, Your Honor, Fritz said, but added that the government has used that statement nor Salman allegedly made that she drove around Pulse with Mateen again and again and again. At that point, defense attorney Charles Swift stepped in and said the defense was not given Salman's statement, which the government has built their case around, until April 26, 2017, and had to hire their own expert to prove Salman and Mateen could not have been near the club on June 8th. Jude Byron said Brady violations are a serious matter. The government doesn't have to be told to do the right thing. They must do it. A Brady violation means the prosecution cannot suppress evidence favorable to the defendant. In this case, Salman's lawyers allege the fact that the government knew a key part of Salman's FBI statement is false. This guy was scum, but she's an innocent in all of this, or one might even argue a victim, both of Mateen and of an overzealous legal system more concerned with mob vengeance than the truth. Fortunately, the jury saw through it all, and they delivered justice, not vengeance. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Here's yet another story to add to the pile confirming things that leftists just have to deny up and down a blue streak. 
Higher minimum wages lead to higher unemployment, especially among teenagers and minorities. This one has an interesting wrinkle. Some lefties have said that, okay, short-term they're unemployed, but long-term they make more money. The response to that from anyone familiar with economics is raucous laughter. But this study confirms, yes, it reduces long-run earnings too. Because, guess what? More time unemployed means less work history. Duh! Any job experience, even unskilled minimum wage jobs, play an important role in someone's career development. From 1994 to 2014, the labor force participation rate among 16 to 19 year olds dropped from 53% to 34%. While there were other factors involved, such as increased immigration and more teens going back to school, by far the minimum wage increases had the biggest impact. The authors found, quote, no evidence that higher minimum wages led to greater human capital investment. If anything, the evidence is in the other direction. Thus, it is more likely that the principal effect of higher minimum wages in the 2000s, in terms of human capital, was to reduce employment opportunities that could enhance labor market experience. And yet, they're still pushing for higher minimum wages, even as labor force participation among teens and minorities continues to decline. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to photo detect this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this week it goes to the London Metropolitan Police, who are threatening to crack down on hate crimes, and it's really scary when they try to explain what they are. They say a crime is a hate crime, quote, If someone commits a criminal offense and the victim or anyone else believes it was motivated by prejudice or hate. In other words, if even just one person in the world believes it was racist or whatever, it's a hate crime regardless of what the actual criminal says or does. Quote, it means the offender can be charged for the crime itself and also their reasons for doing it. Yes, there you have it. Crime think is now a thing. But it gets worse. Quote, if someone does something that isn't a criminal offense, but the victim, what victim if it's not a criminal offense, or anyone else believes it was motivated by prejudice or hate, we would class this as a hate incident. 
Though what the perpetrator has done may not be against the law, their reasons for doing it are. This means it may be possible to charge them with an offense. In other words, you have not committed a crime. You have done nothing wrong. You have harmed no one. But someone else believes you're a racist or whatever, so they can charge you with a crime. A thought crime. We've talked about this before. Crimes require two elements, actus reus, the guilty act, and mens rea, the guilty mind, the intent to commit harm. There are cases such as negligence where you only need actus reus but not mens rea, but there are no cases where mens rea alone makes something a crime absent an actus reus. Wanting to rape someone is not an offense. Wanting to murder someone is not an offense. You have to actually commit the act, or at least make a serious attempt at it. Even a charge of conspiracy requires an interaction between two people. But the police apparently don't agree. They can charge you with a thought crime in the absence of any criminal activity. And in fact, it doesn't even need to be your thoughts, just someone else's belief. If someone does something that isn't a criminal offense, but the victim or anyone else believes it was motivated by prejudice or hate, we would class this as a hate incident. You can be prosecuted for doing something that's 100% legal if someone else believes your reasons for doing it are prejudiced. What is going on over at the Met? And as the recent conviction of Count Dankula shows, apparently they're not alone in this belief. Crown prosecutors and courts are too. So all of that makes the London Metropolitan Police this week's biggest bogani emitter. If you're going to shop online, use our special links to shop at Amazon. Clear your cookies and go to Amazon.Bogosity.tv and you won't pay a penny more for your purchase. If you haven't used the mobile app in the last 12 months, or even at all, go to get5.bogosity.tv on your phone or tablet and get $5 off your order of $10 or more. Go to prime.bogosity.tv for a free 30-day trial of Amazon Prime and enjoy thousands of movies and TV episodes, borrow Kindle books, and get unlimited two-day shipping for free. And speaking of Kindle, go to kindle.bogosity.tv for a 30-day free trial to Kindle Unlimited, read over one million books, and listen to thousands of audiobooks on any device. You can go to music.bogosity.tv and get a free 30-day trial of Amazon Music Unlimited with access to Amazon's entire library of 10 million songs, ad-free and with unlimited skips, and even download to listen offline. All great ways to help this podcast simply by shopping at Amazon. And now let's section 8 this week's We've covered many times why acupuncture is a load of crap. There's an even more stupid and dangerous form of it. Live bee acupuncture. Yes, you have a bee sting someone on an acupuncture point. It's like acupuncture plus toxins. Dangerous toxins. Bee stings can be fatal if you're allergic, and you can develop an allergy at any time. Even if you've been stung a thousand times before with no problems, the very next time, you could have a severe reaction. 
That's what happened to a 55-year-old Spanish woman who died from a severe allergic reaction to live bee acupuncture. She had never reported a reaction in the past and had no history of allergic conditions. But when the acupuncturist had the bee sting her 24 times, she developed a reaction. And the very first sign of an allergy can be a severe reaction or even death. The clinic had no EpiPens to deal with this, and by the time they had called the ambulance and it had arrived, half an hour had passed. When they arrived, her blood pressure was 42 over nothing. They did get her stabilized, but it was too late. She had suffered a watershed stroke and lapsed into a coma, requiring a breathing tube, and a few weeks later she developed multi-system organ dysfunction and died. There are other risks as well that don't involve allergies. One of them is so common from this treatment it's actually called live bee acupuncture dermatitis. Another is called Stevens-Johnson syndrome where the skin sloughs off and has to be treated in a burn unit. And almost certainly the patient was told nothing of these risks. People have been convicted for criminal negligence on far less. Another reason why you shouldn't trust Gwyneth Paltrow for your medical information. There are no benefits from this procedure, which means these risks are absolutely unjustified. And yet, they keep doing it. Which is why we have to name the live bee acupuncturists this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this Walk Right In, It's Around the Back edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come join the discussion at forum.bogosity.tv or discord.bogosity.tv and feel free to send a question, statement, news article, or rant in text or audio to podcast at bogosity.tv. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please donate using the links on the website or the QR codes in the thumbnail or support Shane DK on Patreon or Maker Support to get the podcast and YouTube videos early and without ads or promos. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Learned Hand. There must be one commandment. Thou shalt not ration justice. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, not commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license. Bogosity. Want answers to creationist claims against evolution? Would you like to know more about evolution yourself, or even engage creationists more directly, with actual peer-reviewed sources to back you up? My book, How Evolution is Scientific, is designed to show the basics of evolutionary theory and how it is so well supported using the scientific method. It's impeccably sourced, with references to the actual scientific material, and is arranged using the creationists' own criteria of what is scientific using their own arguments against them, see how evolution is scientific, but creationism is not, based on observations, accurate predictions, logic, and evidence. Get answers to common creationist claims, and even a primer on abiogenesis, the start of all life. It's all in my book, How Evolution is Scientific, available at Amazon, and on Kindle, EPUB, and PDF as well. Get How Evolution is Scientific and Never Be Taken In by Creationists Again.